0: you recently wrote a comic about thanksgiving. Oh, oh you have you have it on paper? Yeah,
1: you know, cuz I had to oh, draw cool. it first. I I wish I was more skilled at doing things digitally, but I'm not so.
0: I have it. This is Transmission. I'm Will James and this is Meredith Lee Volmer. Meredith is what's called a risk communicator. She works at Seattle and King County's Public Health Department.
1: As a risk communication specialist, I communicate about um, some of the really urgent health issues that cause people a lot of anxiety and stress.
0: Throughout the pandemic, public health officials have known that the words they say will affect people's behavior and ultimately how many people live or die. There's an art and a science to crafting words in just the right way so that people will listen and make choices that will keep them safe. And that's a big part of Meredith's job. One way she does this is by writing comics. Her most recent comic came out a few months ago. It's about this past Thanksgiving holiday.
1: Uh, So the comic is called A Very COVID Holiday. And in the first panel, it's me, and I'm holding up the Seattle Times, and the Seattle Times says, coronavirus runs wild in Washington. Any in-person gathering is risky. And so I say, I love holiday gatherings, but this year's a real dilemma. I don't want to contribute to skyrocketing cases. And in the second panel, I feel like in this moment, um, especially as people are fatigued, you know, they're tired of hearing all the same advice about stay away, uh, six feet from others, and wear a mask. And I felt like by writing a, a personal story and a human story, that people might relate to it in a different way, and it might help them. Think about what they're going to do and relate it to their own life um, in a different way. So I chose to tell my own story about my dilemmas during Thanksgiving, um, hoping that um, people would relate to it and then think about, well, what are the risks that uh, are involved for what I'm planning to do? Podcaster in his free time. And so this panel says My parents have stayed home as much as possible. My brother lives by himself. He's diabetic, so he stays home too. I'm glad they're able to avoid close contacts but i'm worried about their isolation seeing them feels urgent using narratives and stories uh, can be a different way of communicating that you can still communicate about risk and uh and uh, important health decisions um, but in a way that kind of triggers different thinking and different responses um, and hopefully making it something that you can project onto your own life as well, kind of go in in new directions with that information. And the final panel has me uh, wearing a coat and my aunt and cousin also wearing coats. We're all wearing masks and I'm holding up an iPhone and I'm saying, my folks are FaceTiming and they're saying, happy Thanksgiving. My narration continues and I'll go for a walk during the holidays with my auntie and cousin. I wish I could be with all my family. I'm hoping my sacrifice now will help get us to a brighter new year.
0: You've used comics as a way of communicating public health for since 2008.
1: Yeah, that was when I did my first comic book with David Lasky. And you've
0: can continue, you've continued using that um, mode of communication. What do you think works about that?
1: They combine, you know, image which has, you know, an obvious visual appeal um, and there's information that you can show through image um, in a very concise, very economical way. I'm really interested in using more storytelling ones because I think there's an emotional component too that you can include social dynamics and communications um, and interactions between people um, and showing uh, the interior lives of people and the thinking Um, and so I think it just you're able to uh, portray a complexity of information um, in a way that is um, also concise. Sometimes there are ones that cause people a lot of alarm but actually don't have the same impact than um, the ones that we're seeing. So Ebola was one that, of course, it had a huge impact globally, uh, and especially in Africa. But um, here in the United States, the actual impact of the disease was very little, but it caused people a lot of stress. So there was a lot of communication about that. There's a lot of um, emotional impact uh, for people, when they hear about something um, like Ebola, for instance, that it creates a, a very strong emotional impact, and there is an actual stress response that happens. Um, and so, when people are feeling that stress, then cortisol floods their brain, um, and it really impairs people's ability to process information. Um, and so, if people can't process information, if their cognitive function is impaired, then of course that that's going to really affect their ability. Um, to digest information and to make those important choices. Uh, So one of the fundamental things I think um, in risk communication is that uh, as communicators, we have to think about how to help people cope with that stressful moment. Um, Because if we can help them cope with that, then uh, it's going to help them literally be able to understand information better. So how is it that um, empathy can play a role? Um, And I I think when I first started doing risk communication, that sounded like a very warm, fuzzy-ish kind of public health thing to say. Um, And as I've done this over the years, I really find that to be true, that we have to at some level uh, demonstrate to people that we understand what they're going through in order for them to be able to cope with the situation and and listen to what we have to say um, and be able to process that.
0: I'm interested in trying to see the pandemic through your eyes a little bit as a risk communicator. Um, can can you take me back to that, that moment at the beginning of the pandemic and just what was going through your mind?
1: There was a, a point in which, you know, it was January and then into early February where it really felt like, okay, you know, we've done a good job. We've tracked all these potential cases, they're quarantining, but then when the first cases came out of Life Care, everything really ramped up.
0: There is a lot of activity this hour at the Kirkland Nursing Home. It's been the source of that deadly coronavirus outbreak. And Undo- just
1: having to go nonstop, trying to react to everything that was happening in the moment, and yet knowing there was a lot of important information that I wanted to get out there soon. Because I, if we, if this was going to go pandemic, people really needed to be prepared.
0: You actually wrote a comic a couple years earlier about the 1918 flu pandemic and the, the kind of 100-year anniversary of that, right? Yeah. Um, did you find yourself going back to that For sure. comic? and yeah.
1: yeah, and actually I wrote my first pandemic comic book uh, in 2008. In those comics, we talked about what had happened in 1918 and then um, what people would need to be ready for if we had a pandemic now. I had worked with David Lasky, who's a local Seattle cartoonist, and we had illustrated these scenes uh, that it was just pretty surreal as we saw it unfold um, because we had done pictures of empty cubicle spaces and um, empty playgrounds and stadiums where nobody was in the seats. And certainly, you know, that was playing out, but I think the one that was most surreal for me was that when we did the anniversary um, comic strip about the 1918 pandemic, I had done some research and found these um, photographs uh, of women sewing masks in Seattle in um, 1918 as part of the effort um, to protect people from the pandemic. And at the time, you know, when I wrote this in 2018, I thought, oh, that's so quaint, that's quirky. I'm just gonna include that and we can draw a picture of these women sewing, thinking like, you know, We would never have to do that now.
0: The whole United States, including Washington state, has seen a really sharp and extreme increase in coronavirus infections throughout the winter and after the holidays. And that's despite a lot of efforts by public health officials to communicate the risk. And, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts, kind of, about what went wrong there or what might have fallen short.
1: Yeah, um, I think we we tried to be urgent about what would happen to the healthcare system. I don't know if that's too abstract um, for people, right? And that maybe, you know, maybe what people really want to focus in, on is how can I get some sense of being you know, back to how life was. How can we get back to just being able to hug and uh, get together? And maybe the impetus is more there rather than thinking about um, hospital capacity, which we know in public health is super important, but maybe folks don't relate to that as much as more of these, these other more personal reasons.
0: How are you holding up these days? (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, well, you know, we're at the one-year mark from when we started uh, here in King County. You know, the first case that came through was, we all remember January 21st, and we're, we're getting there, and it has been, you know, I think we've, we've sapped our adrenaline a while ago, but the work is still there to do, and so we're just trying to keep going. Um, so I have to say, it, it, it is exhausting, um, and yet so important, so we just keep going.
0: That's risk communicator Meredith Lee Vollmer of Public Health Seattle and King County. That's it for this episode of Transmission. Transmission is made possible with the help of the KNKX Newsroom. This episode was produced by Jennifer Wing and me, Will James. Our executive producer is Florangela Davila. Please consider giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Doing that really helps people find us. And you can send feedback, along with a voice memo recording of what your life is like right now, to outreach at knkx.org. Catch you next time on Transmission.